sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 282 Hope that everyone is having a great week. Looking forward to a nice, long holiday weekend. As many of you know, or if you're following along on Instagram at the back of the range, you know this already, but I just got back from Puerto Rico. Wasn't a collegiate event or an amateur event. It was a celebrity golf tournament that raised money for the Rain and Rose Fund. This is an organization that fights poverty in Puerto Rico by creating more educational opportunities for children hurricane relief their reach is incredible and i was happy to head down to help out with some photos and some interviews very cool experience got to meet a lot of sports heroes of mine from back in the day you know guys like richard dent who was the super bowl mvp for the bears in 1985 marshall falk was there lawrence taylor ron harper christian okoye Mike Ruzioni, the guy that, you know, the guy from the miracle, you know, the guy, 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, just a very cool experience. Need to thank Mike Basil and Melissa Wald for the invite. Please go check out their website, rainandrosefund.org. They're doing great work, so any support that you'd like to give would, I'm sure, be very much appreciated. Since it's Thanksgiving week, that means Black Friday is approaching, and yes, the back of the range is going to jump into the fray. This week only, head over to thebackoftherange.com and get 25% off of your entire purchase. We have hats, we have hoodies, we have towels, 25% off when you use the code FRIDAY25. And remember, all previous episodes of The Back of the Range are available on the website, thebackoftherange.com. I know sometimes you got free time in the holidays, sitting around, eh, catch up on a couple episodes. My guest this week is Latana Stone, one of the members of the Juggernaut 2022 U.S. Curtis Cup team. 2022 was a pretty big year for the Riverview Florida native. Final pairing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur, she clinched the SEC championship for her LSU Tigers And then she represented the United States, not just at the Curtis Cup, but she also went over to Switzerland and did the same thing at the Palmer Cup. She picked up a few points for the American squad without even having a full set of clubs in the bag. And don't worry, we got the details on that story as well. Before we get into this episode, I hope that everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Hope that you are sharing some special time with family and friends I know that I have a whole lot to be thankful for. I get to talk about golf for a living. How the hell did that all happen? Well, it happened because of all of you. So thank you again for your support of the Back of the Range. Let's jump right into this episode. Latana, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Home for a few weeks. Very excited about that. Going to be... Getting a few more episodes out here at the back of the range. I know you and I have been trying to catch up for quite some time, but our fall schedules just don't seem to match up. You're playing golf. I'm talking golf, but we're in the off season and we're actually, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Um, You're back home in Riverview, Florida, right around Tampa. Lay out the traditional uh, stone family Thanksgiving dinner. What's in store for you this week? 
Oh, man. It's a little different than the average Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I love it. Oh, let's go. We're talking pizza and chicken wings. What are we doing here? Oh, so my mom, she's full Thai. She's from Thailand. Okay. Came over when she was a young age, and she makes Thai food on Thanksgiving. So we have a mix of, like, the turkey and the ham and, you know, the stuffing, whatever. My mom makes, like, pad Thai. She makes, like, egg rolls you know dumplings all these sorts of things so it's very different and not like a traditional thanksgiving dinner where you like fry a turkey or something like that but yeah we have fun with it that sounds amazing um i'm i i don't i'm glad that i don't have the address to the house because that's not something we want to put on the (laughs) podcast but that sounds amazing so have you had like Obviously, you have the family. You have, I believe, four older siblings. So, you, so is it a big, huge, extended family, or do you have like? I'm guessing you probably had situations where like friends would come over. Like this is probably well known at this point. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, we just go over to my aunt, and my uncle's house, and we, you know, my grandma and my cousins and stuff. I mean, sometimes usually they come down because they're all from like New York, so uh-huh. they'll come down and stuff, and we'll have a big Thanksgiving feast. That sounds incredible. That sounds That's awesome. pretty awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. That should be fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited. So last time we saw each other was, I believe, at Curtis Cup, but it wasn't at the Curtis Cup. It was at the airport in Philadelphia, both of us trying to catch oh, flights. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. So um, that was the, the, the morning after u.s clinch curtis cup we'll, we'll talk about the, the the party that night but i thought we'd do a nice little service for the listener you and i travel all the time i'm probably better at packing photography equipment now than i am at packing golf clubs because it's been so long but like what are what are the go-to's the tips and tricks as someone that is constantly navigating travel navigating bringing golf clubs onto onto planes what are some of the tips and tricks i know it's winter i know people probably aren't cutting out on a golf trip anytime soon but uh you know the spring and summer will be here before you know it what are what are some good tips and tricks to kind of just get through travel with golf clubs goodness i think that making a list is like top priority okay making (laughs) sure that you like write everything down Cause like I have to see what I'm packing. Right. So if I have a list and I check it off and that's always helped me when I'm packing and, you know, even when we're packing and traveling with the team and stuff like that, we always have a checklist, make sure we have everything. Cause you don't want to come unprepared to any, anything or anywhere. Right. So having your list, um, I, I used to like my freshman year, I had a really hard time with lugging my clubs and my suitcase until I found out that, the ping travel bag can like hook on to your ping suitcase. And that was like the biggest game changer. So really? Yeah. Like it, like it has like a whole hook. I saw it from another team and I was just mesmerized because we, <laughs> none of us did that. Our like wrists were about to like snap and it was horrible, but. And it's like, oh, I've, I've seen the, the light. I've seen the light. I, yeah. I, okay. I've seen Jesus himself. Okay. Like, wow. Would, okay. Yeah. It was, it was insane and, um, not very fun. So having, having the right suitcase and having the right golf travel bag is key to traveling too. All right. I might need to reach out to ping and let them know that, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a thing. Um, I, I'd probably need to get sent some of it to test it out though. Don't you think? I mean, I, I just can't go buy it and trust you. They need yeah, to send no, you, sh- they need you to should, send- you should ask them. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I will do that. Yeah. <laughs> U S Curtis Cupper. 
Latonis yeah, Latonis don't approved. Um, uh, I'll see if I can get you some stuff too. Although I'm sure yeah, that you're all thanks. stocked up on that, especially after the year you've had. Um, and we'll, we'll get into your travel because your 2022 uh, has been 2021. Just turned 21. No, I'm, okay. So you just turned 21, but your 2022, your year has oh, been. Oh, yes. 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 So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Um, now, you are native Floridian, just like myself. Absolutely great. We need as many Floridians on this podcast as possible. So that's, that's a great Definitely. thing. Now, you're starting the game. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. So you're starting the game product of uh you know junior golf in in florida which you know florida state golf association is probably the largest most in-depth most active state golf association in the country so that's when you started your competitive aspect of golf but who got you into the game when did you start that's kind of the the rite of passage here at the back of the range who put a club in your hand for the first time so i was probably around i don't really remember this but it's probably around two years old and two i yeah i started like just swinging around like you know little broomstick here and there sure. and then as i like got older i would tee up like these little wiffle balls out in the lanai area like my dad would like just hit them in the pool and so he was like why don't i just give her a try and so i'd start swinging the route like i was older than two at this point just start swinging it around and I ended up like, my dad said I ended up hitting a hole through our leather couch at one point. So he's like, all right, enough's enough. We got to go get you some like plastic clubs. Sure. But I was not for the plastic clubs. Apparently I, I did not enjoy those. And he ended up like, you know, getting like a smaller kid set and I would just go out and, you know, as kids do, just go out and try and hit the ball. Sure. So, wow. So he's not even cutting down a regular set of clubs. He's cutting down kids' clubs. Yeah. I mean, he oh he had, yeah, he got me kids' clubs, and I wasn't, like, big enough yet right. to, like, because I wasn't, I was, like, I'm not, I, I guess I didn't enjoy the plastic clubs and stuff, so. Wow. Already a, a, a enthusiast on proper equipment at the, at the old age of probably what, four. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I see what's I happening. didn't start playing tournaments until I was around five. Like that was when I started like the first <laughs> key event. Yeah. And I, and I would win like little smoothie King gift cards. And like, that was like my pride and joy. Like I would, that was my drive, like to get little smoothie King and uh-huh. get a smoothie after I would go play like nine holes <laughs> so like so like at some point down the line after your your collegiate career and your amateur career is over and you transition into a professional life like if smoothie king reaches out for some sort of an endorsement deal i mean is it just game over right there you're like yeah where do i oh, sign yeah <laughs> yeah like where where do i sign give me a pen like <laughs> oh not even gonna read the contract just exactly okay <laughs> oh there's money too i just thought it was free smoothies <laughs> yeah um Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So five is when you start playing golf, uh, or I'm sorry, you start entering tournaments, playing competitively. And, you know, I was actually just at the annual Florida State Golf Association Awards dinner. Not that I was up for anything. Don't don't get it confused. But, you know, open bar and free food, so I'm there. But you're, <laughs> yeah. you're a former FSGA champion. You won the girls' junior amateur. I know you won, as you said, plenty of FJT, Florida Junior Tour titles. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's one thing to get started 
playing young, like you just mentioned, but it's a whole other thing to really start learning the ups and downs of competition. You're not going to win everyone. You're going to lose. You're going to have bad days. What was that like for you kind of, you know, learning the competitive aspect of the game? Oh man. I just remember like my parents just kind of like saying play with no fear. And like, obviously when you're younger, like you don't have fear when you're playing. Right. Cause it's so different when you kind of are more aware and you grow up and you're just like, Oh man, I've like kind of feel some pressure now, but like when you're young and you're just starting out, like there's no pressure whatsoever, like at all. That's why I feel like it's so great to start young and you can just kind of, Oh, this is just so natural now. And then, yeah, you're going to get nerves here and there, but like, it's still such a natural kind of feeling that it's like, Oh, there's like really no pressure and that you can just go out and play and have fun. And it's not like if you lost that, you know, mom and dad were like hey sorry no smoothie king you didn't come back yeah you're not eating dinner like no it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah so so the so you start at that early age now i one thing i try to not do during my conversations with with guests here at the back of the range is to recap a lot of stats and previous wins and and you know because that can just we could pull that up on 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 a website and find that but um, you know, I'll mention a little bit of it, of it just to lay a groundwork. So, but this is a special occasion. I want to go back to July of 2012. Now, this is just over 10 years ago. First of all, you enter a qualifier for the U.S. Women's Amateur at Wanderers up in Wellington, right up the street from me. Now, again, this is the U.S. Women's Amateur. It's not the girls' junior. You're 10 years old. Now, before we talk about how you play in the qualifier, do you remember at all, like the thought process in the Stone household of, you know what, let's just let's just enter Latana in the U.S. Women's Am? Do you remember any of that, or how that how that came to be? I have no idea, actually. Like, okay. it's been so long that I don't really remember. But like, I vaguely like the only things that I do remember is like after I finished, and like the final stretch of like 17 18 and like oh when they like announced me i didn't think it was a big deal at all like i had no idea like i was 10 like i literally i had no idea what a u.s women's amateur was right and like it was all i'm like i'm 10 so it's right like Uh, like, i'm here for free smoothies like there's other stuff going on i had no idea i'm going wherever dad says to go and oh i'm playing okay like it's you know. All right. So if you want to talk about being just free and no pressure. So you, I know we've kind of ruined the punchline here. People are figuring this out. At 10 years old, you shoot 70. You qualify for the U.S. Women's Amateur at the Country Club in Cleveland. And you are still the youngest. I mean, I, I mean, I can't call you a woman at 10 years old. You're the youngest person to have qualified for the U.S. Women's Amateur. You still hold that record. I have so many questions about that. I probably should be talking to your to your parents because they have a better recollection of this than you do. But at 10 years old, yeah. you're going to play in the U.S. Women's Amateur. Did it ever register at all, ever, when you got to Cleveland? Oh, not really. Because okay. I, I just remember, like, oh, this is – I knew it was, like, a bigger tournament because they had told me, like, this is a really big deal. And I'm like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like so great. Again, I'm literally 10 years old and I have like no idea what's going on. Like I 
I just, all I would play was like, you know, Florida junior tours and I would play um, hurricane events and whatnot. So it's like, oh my God, like I'm going out of state. Like, where are we going? Right. And once I got there, I was like, wow, retreat is nice. Like, this is (laughs) nice. (laughs) Now, I'm guessing you're you're also the attention that you're now you're, you have four older siblings if they for any moment felt that you maybe got more than your fair share of the attention because you were you were the youngest this kind of amplified things to a whole new level yeah just a little bit i mean luckily they're a lot older than me so it's not like too much of a issue uh-huh. and they have like their own lives you know like they were married and stuff and out of the house and oh, you know wow. okay yeah they're way older than me but so how yeah. so how did you now again you do this at ten you also qualified at twelve you know the, now that you're mm-hmm. you're a seasoned veteran at twelve years old of, of USGA championships but you qualified <laughs> twelve and a lot of listeners uh, a lot of people listen to the podcast you know juniors parents of juniors and what I find so fascinating about this is not only the fact that you qualified at ten and, and twelve years old but you know this is kind of an age where most juniors are just trying to figure out you know, do I like the game? Do I like the competitive aspect to it? You know, uh, is this something I think I want to pursue? And also it's not just kids trying to find their way. It's parents trying to find their way. Okay. My child has an interest in something. How do I navigate this? You know, maybe the parents, I don't even know if your parents play golf. So, um, do you kind of, maybe you can speak to just your, your junior golf journey as a whole leading up to, to playing at, at LSU, you know, what were some of the things that your parents tried to instill in you and kind of help you navigate, uh, you know, as you kind of moved through the game in your junior junior career? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're not going to know what you want to do as a kid. <laughs> and right. your parents are kind of still figuring out, like, what should I do and how can I help? It's always like, how can I help my kid? Right. And with my parents, you know, They've always were like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to play golf. Like, I want to be a pro golfer one day. And they're like, okay, well, you know, how can I help? And I mean, you shouldn't, like, parents shouldn't be disappointed if, you know, they decided to take it and go to college. And I mean, you're going to get, you, you can get a full ride to a school and not have to pay for, know the tuition and stuff and I think that's been like the greatest blessing of being able to you know get a scholarship and play at a d1 sec school and I mean there's a lot of things that golf has instilled in me and it's been you know the diligence and you know the hard work the patience and the mannerism and I think that every kid should play golf honestly it really helps you in the long run and can help you in your future and give you so many opportunities that I don't think I would have had if I, you know, didn't play golf. Can you talk about the importance of failure and and how to bounce back from disappointment? Because I think that's probably something that needs to be, I think, reminded to a lot of to people that are, that are young, like, like you're supposed to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be disappointed. That, and then what do you do after it that's going to really help you in the long run? Can you talk about just, I mean, playing as much competition as you did from such a young age, 
there's no way every day ended with a smoothie king. I'm sure that some days ended with oh, tears yeah. where you just yeah. were like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't like this or I'm frustrated. How did you and maybe your parents help you kind of bounce back from disappointment and learn from it? Um, I must say disappointment. I didn't take very well, like, you know, the tears <laughs> and stuff. Okay. I, it took a lot of, you know, Lot, lot it took a lot of times to get disappointed and to realize like why like yeah it's okay to feel that way but it's also not okay to like just dwell and like you can't you just need to get back up again and like obviously I'm not gonna play great every day and have the greatest round and swing it the best and I wish I could sure but that's just not reality like people go through ups and like up and downs like it's just normal and I think I had the hardest time with trying to make sure everything was perfect in my game that like I didn't really realize that that was just like ruining my like mental being and just really being hard on myself. Um, so kind of kind of understanding that you're not going to be perfect every day, even though you want to be perfect. It's just not going to just not going to work. Sure. So you uh, moved through uh, FJT, moved through high school, and, uh, of course, <laughs> when you're doing things at the ages of 10 and 12, I'm sure college coaches are very well aware of, of this uh, little girl in, in Riverview, Florida. Um, when did the recruiting process kind of start taking shape? And then ultimately, you know, what, what drew you into, into LSU? So my recruiting process was a little different than I think most because I, I, let me see, I think I was probably like 16. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of was going back and forth and I'm like, oh, should I just turn pro at 16? Like, that would be so cool. Or should I go to college? And there was just like, I was getting pulled like both ways. And so I wasn't really talking to any schools until it was kind of like, oh crap, it is too <laughs> late. <laughs> and, and my friend Kendall Griffin, she was committed to Florida and then like decommitted and committed to LSU. And she was like, you have to come here. You just have to come here. It is amazing. I was like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. But I guess I'll just come up there, whatever. I mean, I'll go to a football game. It'll be fun. Sure. And keep my options open. And at that point, I was kind of leaning more towards college than anything. Because, like, once I got there, I was like, oh, my gosh. This place is sweet. It was, like, the coolest thing ever. Because I was homeschooled my whole life. Okay. So, like, going to a campus was, like, unbelievable and, like, so different. And... It was so cool just being able to, you know, be there and then hang out with my hang out with Kendall and um, go to a football game. So I've never done that because I was literally homeschooled my whole entire life. And um, LSU was one of my choices. And then I was leaning towards Auburn, which I went and visited there and it was great, too. And and. I didn't get an offer from Auburn. I did get an offer from LSU, but it took me, it took a lot of hard work to get that scholarship because there was a coach at before Garrett. Um, her name was Karen and she, she made me work for it. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, 
it was just a little different because I didn't have like a bunch of offers and all that stuff like I had letters and stuff but I never like pursued anything I never reached out to anyone and it was just kind of different and once I went there and I was like oh Kendall's gonna be there this is gonna be great and it kind of just felt like home when I went there and it's been the greatest decision of my life. And you didn't, I mean, you played, I mean, you had honorable mention All-American with AJGA, and I mean, you had tournament finishes, but do you, is there a reason why you weren't, I mean, because you were homeschooled, that shouldn't really have any sort of effect on whether or not you're a recruit or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were top 20, I think, in your AJGA class. I mean, you're there. It's not like you were some, you know, hidden diamond in the rough just at somewhere in Florida that no one can find you. Do you, do you know why that, that was? I really, I don't like, I, I just was very picky, I guess with like, I didn't want to go too far. I just feel like I just wasn't reaching out to anyone. And okay, gotcha. I mean, they were reaching out to me, but I, I just wasn't pursuing anything. I see. Okay. Cause I was very conflicted in what I wanted to do. And then I was like, Oh man, I'm literally like, I think it was my, like by end of junior year of high school, like and then people are stinking committing when they're you know freshmen in high school and i'm like holy cow (laughs) like what and i just committed but yeah it was very different i must say and it was kind of stressful towards the end and i i mean maybe it was good because i don't think i can see myself at any other school was it the football game and that trip with Kendall that ultimately kind of pushed you in that direction? Or was there some other aspect that you discussed with your family, just weighing the options between pro golf and college golf? I think it was being there and, okay. and seeing thinking it, about like yeah. my future and was, and was like, I am 16. Like, all right, I can't <laughs> like, I'm like, I just can't do that right now. Right. Because it's just kind of, you need to grow up. You really need to grow up some more. And my advice to all of, like, all of the, you know, 16, 17-year-olds that are like, oh, should I turn pro? Should I go to college? Or should I stay the four years? Should I wait? Stay the four years. Go to college. <laughs> Love yeah. It. That's my, that's my advice. (laughs) What was your freshman year like? I mean, I know, you know, you had a, you know, you had a great year on the golf course at LSU, but again, like you said, homeschooled, you're kind of coming into, okay, now I'm in a team environment. I'm in a campus life environment. I'm guessing as a freshman, probably living, I mean, you you don't have your, I'm guessing you don't have your own place. You're, whether it's a dorm or it's an apartment or whatever, but you're, you're living with people, you're in class. Um, learning, I mean, just socially it has to be just such an absolute culture shock. How did you, how did you navigate so well on the golf course? I mean, made Palmer cup in 2020, you know, great, you know, this is a great year on the golf course, but also there had to have been so many changes to your life in that one year. Oh yeah. It, It was definitely different because, you know, I just went from, having like my mom teach me to like going and being in a classroom and actually like you know like the responsibilities on me like I'm the one that needs to show up to class I have to do tutoring like I I have so many responsibilities to take on that like that was good for me though (laughs) like 
you really need that because it teaches you how to plan, how to balance things, take on responsibilities, and you're, you know, getting an education. And it was really hard my freshman year in the fall because I was still trying to figure out where everything was. I needed, I needed to know who everyone was. And, you know, like I, you have all these great resources, like, you know, your trainer, your academic advisor, your tutors, um, you know, like your athletic trainer, all these people you have to get to know, like all, it's all happening right now. Right. But I wish I would have told myself then that like, you're going to know everyone's name. You're going to know where to go. Like eventually you're going to know how to get around and sure. where all the classes are. Cause I would show up the day before just to walk the campus to see where my class was. Cause I was so scared. <laughs> like <laughs> I do not want to show up late and, I want to be on time. Um, but it was definitely a culture shock. That's actually a really good thing. Uh, that, that is not an uncommon practice. That's uh, uh, very, I'm sure someone put that in your head, but yeah, that's, that's actually not a bad idea. Get your, get your bearings and uh, figure out where class yeah. is. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, back in the day, I had a few moments like that where, like, I, I don't – because I, I spent a couple of years at the University of Kansas, so I'm sure the mm -hmm. size of that campus and LSU, they've got to be somewhat comparable. But, yeah, I, I've been there. That's that's a little bit frightening when you're like, okay, there's maybe 140 buildings on this campus, and I need to find oh, yeah. one of them. Yeah, what the most frightening part, though, was when my mom left, and I just – she was like, all right, love you. Like, see you in a few months. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> God. You're like, what? Where? Why? Why are you leaving? I'm like, wait, hold on. Just let's talk about this. Yeah. Like, but it, it was good, though. I, I needed that. I needed to grow up. And it was good that I got to, you know, live with roommates and live on my own and have my own responsibilities. And now you're a seasoned pro. Well, not a pro, but you're a seasoned veteran. You're just this, the, yeah. you're, you're, a, you're a, I mean, senior leader. I mean, is that fair? I'm a senior. Yeah. Senior. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And I guess based on what you previously said, how, you know, stay four years. I, I know that you have a COVID year and I'm not going to put you on the spot to answer, but I'm, I'm guessing there, it won't be a complete shock if we see you uh, wearing some purple next year and playing college golf. Won't be, won't be blown away shocked by that. Yeah, we won't, we won't be blown away by it. Okay. So, sure. Fair enough. Good answer. So um, talking about your first football game as a student at LSU, because this is an iconic piece of uh, iconic team in, in college football. This is an iconic uh, rite of passage for any, any student that goes to a big school. Obviously, you got to go to football games, but freshman year, first football game, where you really get to see the true experience at, at Death Valley. What do you remember about that? Yeah, we got some pretty awesome traditions uh, during a football game. You know, we the alma mater really gets me going, and when when you hear the band play, oh. It gets loud. Like okay. we have like one of the largest stadiums in the in the country and it's unbelievable. Um, I recommend, you know, if you haven't been to a game in Death Valley that you should um, you should go on and go because it's something that you'll never forget. Um, even if you know you're not an L S U fan or whatnot, but you'll be one after, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. It's a great time. Now, our, great time. our S, I know SEC football rivalries are a, a big thing. Is is there a big 
SEC rivalry in 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 women's golf. I mean, I know you beat Florida last year in the in the SEC, so you're defending SEC champions. But I mean, are there some teams that you're looking at? They're like, yeah, I want it, we want a piece of them. Like like this is this is serious for only the SEC. Yeah. Hmm. I I mean that's so tough because you just you really want to go out there and and kind of beat all the SEC and be the oh no I'm just saying in, I'm just saying in general are there some like oh. serious SEC rivalries where like you know not mm. not just in the SEC championship but just regular season events or or what are you know any other tournaments where you're like yeah it's on I want to pe- we want a piece of them oh i can say some i can say some that are not in the sec but you can do all right then you can who all right so who who gets you who gets the lsu ladies the most up for a tournament i mean i think we all want to beat the number one team so is that that team that that team out in california oh yep it's that team out in california all right okay it is yeah and we always get really fired up we're like we want to beat them so bad i mean who doesn't want to beat them you know they're all such great players that you're just like oh i'm so amped up like you just want to go out there and just clip them by one or you know clip by 20 and i think it's safe to say that we all think the we all think the same way Gotcha. Okay, so so we're we're talking about Stanford, just in case someone's living yeah, under a rock. Yeah, <laughs> just in case someone, any of my listeners are living under a rock. Uh, Stan- Although yeah. you know, don't want to sleep on San Jose State. Oh, that's true. They, they 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 have been playing really good. And they actually clipped Stanford a couple times last year in the regular season, which was very interesting. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, yeah, they they do have that target. So, um. I have to ask you a random question. So I want to talk about the national championship and specifically Greyhawk, which is where the national championship has been held for the last two years. I think this is the, I think this is the final year. I've heard some rumblings yep. that there might be another year, but I think this is the final year. And, you know, I, I was very surprised to learn by doing a little bit of research that you consider Greyhawk to be your favorite golf course. Is that still correct? It is one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can't I gotta wrap... put Marion up there too. All right, we're gonna get to Marion. All right, don't, just pick that yeah. name up. You dropped it right there. Um, now I ca- I simply cannot wrap my head around that, and I will tell you why. Because you're a you're a Floridian, you grew up playing Bermuda, you play in the SEC Southeast Conference, and this is desert golf, and it's completely yeah. different. And I actually, when I go out there, I, I, it's so I mean it's different for for me. I'm not a big fan of no humidity. I'm not sure about you, but I prefer a little humidity where you can actually you know have your have a sweat going where you feel like your body hasn't shut down you know where it's actually doing what it's supposed to do by keeping you cool as opposed to not sweating and um but yeah i, I walk me through why you like greyhawk so much because that to me i'm very confused by that me and greyhawk have this love hate relationship okay because i I just really enjoy how tough it is. And yeah, the golf course has given me a few nosebleeds here and there. Cause nosebleeds. I, there is no, there is no humidity. Yeah. And I just think I really enjoy it because it's like tough and it's, okay. it like makes you tougher in my opinion. Cause like you can't like just slip up and you, you always have to have your foot on the gas pedal on that course because it's easy to make birdies and like get shots and stuff, but it's also easy to just completely screw up. And I mean, it's safe to say that, you know, a lot of golf courses can be like that, but 
I really think that this one is, is, is tough during the national championship. Yeah, I think it's tougher for the women than it is for the men. I think that the, the, that golf course gets running so fast and mm-hmm. the runouts are just too short for the guys. And I see a lot of them hitting two irons on par fours. And it seems like their biggest challenge is, is, is trying to control their distances off of short irons. Cause you know, you know, it's the one time of year where you look down at the ball and you know, they got 168 yards and they say, all right, I have to hit wedge and I can't jump on it either. And that, that's mm-hmm. probably what they're trying to learn. When I was out there last year, I saw, you know, some ladies that, I didn't think they were compressing the ball enough, getting it high enough to hold those greens. And I, when I would yeah. see that, I would immediately think, okay, you know, at some point you're going to get caught and you're just not going to be able to, to succeed at this golf course because, again, they just you have to elevate that ball and you have to spin it. Yeah, definitely. That course, when it starts to roll out and stuff, it's yeah. just sometimes it's just not good to – hit it long and you just leave yourself with a horrible chip or something like that. That's like impossible. It's usually like you're playing ping pong on the greens or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, but. it's incredibly firm. Well, I, I wanted to ask, cause you know, when I go out there, I think, cause truthfully, and this is for the men's or the women's side, if someone said, Ben, you got to put money on a team to win the national championship. I don't know if I would pick any team out of the sec. And I don't, yeah. mean, and I just, just because all, where you play in the regular season, th- that's the only reason it has nothing to do with really the players on the, on any of the teams. I'm just like, just by what you're surrounded by all year long, I just can't see it. Yeah, no, I actually agree with that. Cause I was like, Garrett, we need to play more on the West coast. Yeah. Like we need to see some other, other things going on because all we see is like, you know, the Bermuda is just complete opposite of what is out on the West coast. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, However, I think that when it gets to match play, oh, oh, oh yeah. it is a completely different ball game. Hundred percent, completely. So match but. play, you are you are a little. This is this is your jam. I think I don't know if people are still saying this is your jam, but I just brought it back. So, <laughs> um, but you had tremendous success in Palmer Cup. We're going to talk about Curtis Cup in in a, in a little bit. Um, I know that you've. Um, played u.s women's four ball uh you know sec obviously I believe you clinched the clinched the match in the semis and also clinched the match in the finals for for the tigers in the sec uh mm-hmm. what what kind of switches on with you in match play match play i think that you can be as aggressive as possible because it's not like you're going to make an eight on a hole and you're going to be like four over. Right. <laughs> like I'm you, not four. I'm not four down after yeah. one is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not four down. Like we're good. So I think that's what like, it, it just kind of like switches and you're just like, okay, I can like actually, you know, go for it and like not feel like, okay, I have to play it safe or something like that. Um, obviously depending on what your match is at, but I mean, getting like a, a head start early on is like the key. Um, however, I sometimes do not do that because oh, we, we, we take the morning off or we take the front nine off and then you just kind of ease yeah, into it. Okay. Definitely. We, I, in SECs, <laughs> I definitely took the morning off, uh, the front go. nine off for sure. Um, and then had to, you know, climb my way back, but it all works out. I mean, anything can happen in Nashville. That's one that's, there, that's an example right there, plain and simple. I mean, you can um, 
you can win three holes in a row or something easy. And then you can lose three holes in a row easy. Sure. But I mean, that's just, that's just golf and match play for you. Now I know that in match play, you want to play the course, but you also need to play the person that you're, that you're up against. Oh yeah. Do you find yourself not just basing your game off of what your opponent does, but do you also find yourself looking at maybe their, their composure, their posture, their, the pace of their walking? Um, do you pay attention to that as well? Yeah. I mean, that's like another strategy to like get in people's heads. Like people just get in your head during match play because you can do, you can walk slower and like, if you're playing with a fast player and you walk slower, like they're going to lose their mind and <laughs> like they, they will lose their mind. Or like if you talk a lot and they don't want to talk or whatever, you just keep talking. They'll yeah. lose their mind even more. <laughs> like, okay. I'm just hold on. Right, about, writing this down. The yeah, write sec- this down. Secrets from Latana. Okay. So, so you're like, so you're just I like mean, saying you don't need to talk back. You just need to listen. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on the person and, I mean, and it also depends on, like, who you're paired up with. Right. Like, my Garrett had paired up. Like, it was our final match. Garrett paired up one of the Florida girls with our teammate, Carla. Um, It was, like, one of her best friends and, like, sent her first off or something. And it's, like, she was, like, oh, my gosh. I cannot believe that we just got paired up, like, with each other. It was hard for her. Like that was hard to like, you know, beat her and, and have to play against her and, you know, also keep like an attitude, like, cause you want to, you want to win, like you want to beat her. And it's really hard to do that against like one of your best friends. Right. Of course. But there's an SEC so. championship on the line. So, I mean, exactly. <laughs> we got work to do. We can be friends later. I got, yeah. I got work to do. Yeah. I mean, we'll never, we'll all never forget the feeling that we felt, um, the year before where we got knocked out. I think it was in semis. We got knocked out by Mississippi state and it was like heartbreaking. And then when I made that putt, I was like, Oh, like, did we win? Like, cause I had no idea what was going on. There was only like three of my girls on the, on the green. And they're like, yeah, we won. We won. And then I just, I look over and I just see the Florida girl I played against, like just so, tears. Yeah. And I was like, I feel her pain. Like I know exactly what that felt like. Yeah. And that like makes you take it to the next year. And you're like, I'm not feeling this pain again. I'm going to win the SEC championship. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of getting back to what we talk about, I mean, learning how to deal with adversary and disappointment and like, what do you do? Do you fold up tent and go home or do you say, okay, that sucked and we're not doing that again. And you just commit yourself even more. Yeah. Did you guys, did you guys get your ring yet on the football field? Oh, we didn't get the rings yet on the football. So we went on the football field with no rings. What? They weren't ready. Yeah. They weren't ready yet. And they came in and Garrett was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. This is all wrong. So we sent them back, and we still haven't had them yet. So you you did the you did the football field and and the the getting the the hand from the but you don't have the rings yet. Not in hand. No. Okay. 
super excited to see what they look like. I, I think that's, uh, well, I got to say, like, I'm sure that's a little disappointing not to have the rings on you, but that's actually really cool when the coach is like, no, no, this isn't going to do it. No, no, we need this rebrand. Yeah. I mean, was it just, they, it wasn't big enough? Is that what the key is? Like, didn't have enough diamonds? Is that what, what it was? Or they spell? The stone color was all messed up, he said. He really? said it was just a weird color, and it wasn't what he wanted, and so we right. just sent them back. Love it. Hey, so, let, listen. I'll hey. send you a photo when they come in. Hey, listen, you won the SECs. Let's get the, let's get the damn rings right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, um. Well, we talk about this great year, uh, you know, winning SECs. Let's let's dive into a couple big things. You had this little tournament um, in Georgia in, uh, in in April. You get the invite to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And I love the fact that you talked about maybe I was going to turn pro at 16, maybe I wasn't. So we're just starting a list of things that you never would have experienced if you had turned pro. Everything at LSU, nope. And now Augusta National Women's Amber. You get the invite. The invite is a, is a special. I mean, that's kind of a, I mean, everyone's social media blows up when they get the invites because everyone's got the picture with this great invitation. Um, were you, where did the invite get sent to your, to your home, like where your parents live or did it go to LSU? Uh, walk me through that. Yeah. The invite got sent to the, like my house in Florida. Right, right. And my dad was like, it's here. And I was like, it's here. (laughs) I'm not there. (laughs) So I, uh, I had to, I had to like, I think it was, mm, I don't remember when I got it in the mail though, but it was definitely, I think after winter, my, after my winter break, because I had just gone back or something like that. Um, But like, I got in the email like, oh, I'm in. And then I was like, woohoo. And, you know, I was really excited and yeah, really cool invite. Now I know that there is so much, that tournament just feels like there's more moving parts than any other one that you probably play just because it's two courses, a practice round in the middle, and then, oh yeah, let's throw the rain delay into it. That Oh you, yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. So how, how did, first of all, what did you do during the rain delay? Cause I know that you had to, you had to finish the second round at champions retreat and then race over to Augusta national for a practice round of all the right. places where you have to zip through a practice round. It has to be there. I mean, that, that had to be the, actually the, one of the cruelest parts of it. Yeah, it was pretty tough. I mean, I think I had like two or three holes left to play. Um, and, uh, like coming out the next day, I had to like finish out and it was, it was pretty tough because, you know, I'm like, okay, I just have like three holes left and I, I like kind of looked at the scoreboard. I kind of did it. So I like, no, really no idea. Kind of like, oh, when I finished out, I was going to, you know, be doing okay. And. Uh, I think I was, I like plugged into a bunker and I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> I was like, great. And then I ended up getting up and down, which is nuts. And then I birdied my next hole. And then I just was like, okay, I just want to par this last hole. And right. then we can just get on out of here and just go play Augusta. <laughs> and part it. And then we had to literally hop on. Because like when you get there, you have to drop everything off. Like you can't bring your phone and like you had to like have a little 
number tag with all your belongings and stuff. And, you know, there was like security and stuff like before you get on the bus. Sure. Um, like every time before you leave for the hotel, like you have to get scanned and like scan your ticket. And it was, there was a lot of moving parts behind yeah. everything. That's before you ever tee it up. But you finally get there for yeah. this practice round. Now, was your, who was with you? Was it, was the whole family with you? Where did you use a local caddy? Um, how, how did, how did you approach Augusta National? I just, I was with my mom. Um, I don't, my dad couldn't go because my mom was my designated guest. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it, it was just my mom and my caddy, um, that went, he was a local caddy and he, he, I think he was the caddy, like for the chairman of Augusta. Yeah. So it was a really, it was a really cool draw. Um, yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. So final round, we're going to, and the only reason I want to bring this up, obviously the, the day didn't end the way you wanted it to, you drop shots on mm-hmm. 17 and 18, but as we all have said, that's golf. These things happen. Every player at every stage, whether you're trying to win a club championship or, you know, you miss a qualifier by shot or playoff, it's, it's going to happen. But I think we've already hit upon this, just how you have dealt with it. Just, you know, for getting that competition in at such an early age, I don't want to focus on, you know, what happened on 17, what happened on 18. I kind of want to focus on how did you kind of bounce back from that to, again, have a, a great summer where you're representing the United States, not just on Palmer Cup, but on the Curtis Cup. I know that was probably the most, high, you know, highly visible loss that you've had to deal with. But what was it, were the after effects of how you moved past it? Yeah, this, uh, it was definitely, uh, it's definitely hard. Um, after, you know, like it just happened. And I mean, all I could really think about was just trying to take away the positives because I mean, I got to play in the final group at Augusta and I got to have a lot of fun with Beatrice and, you know, the crowd was great and they were all super supportive. And I just, even though I like kind of wanted to just like curl up in a ball (laughs) a little bit. And I mean, I just tried to hold like this really brave face after because I did fall like I was crying and they wanted to do interviews. And I was like, I have to do this. Like, I can't just I can't be that person that's like, no, no interviews. No, right. Like, I have to explain and like, you know, talk to them. And I want to be that stronger person to say okay like this is what happened and even though it didn't work out the way that I wanted to like I'm still gonna you know hold my head up and keep that smile on my face that I said I was gonna do throughout the week and I wanted to make sure like after that like I got to everyone and like I got to sign stuff and you know not just be a complete like I don't know. She she's not she's, a very nice person. Right. She lost. She's taking her ball. She's going home, but she's not. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't want to just pick up and go home. Like that's so rude. Like people came out to watch like some good golf and you know, I at least want to like shake their hand and say, thank you for coming. And like, right. you know, have, you know, sign stuff and be there, be present and enjoy this moment. Well, and the other thing too, and I'm really glad you brought that up, but the other thing is that 
you know, when we think of Augusta National, obviously we think of the Masters, and it was first held in, in 1934, and the U.S. Women's Amateur, 1895. The Anwa is just three years old. And I know it's probably yeah. not something you're thinking about at the time, but, you know, your name is part of the foundation of that tournament. I mean, maybe it's not the first year, but the third year. I mean, I mean, what's the difference, to be honest with you? In 50, 60, 70 years from now, I mean, your name is at that foundation of this tournament. And when you, I mean, have you taken any time to really think about, okay, I, I'm at the beginning of one of potentially going to be one of the most historic women's amateur tournaments of all time? Oh, yeah. It's, it's been, it's been great. I, I really appreciate how that like after that experience how much like I have a different mindset on things because it it really I just kept like talking about it I was like I'm just so sad like I I really I had it in my hands and then I just like it just slipped out of my hands right. and I mean I could have done like I could go back and say I could have done one thing different and I mean, but like, it's what's done is done, you know, like, like what's meant to be was meant to be right. like, I can't really beat myself up because I had a great week and just unfortunately I had two bad holes and I haven't really had any bad holes like that. So it was, it was frustrating, but something that you just kind of have to brush off and just take it. Like I said before in the SECs, like you'll never forget that feeling and you just have to take it to the next year. Yeah, I I, uh, I I definitely will would imagine that uh, you have that date circled on your calendar for 2023. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but it was really nice even like receiving the um, support from people though. Yeah, it was really cool to like walk off 18 and like have like the embrace of Annika and see Bubba Watson and see um, Dr. Rice. Like it was so cool. And then after um fred ridley actually like wrote me a letter that's awesome and i literally have it framed <laughs> like I have really it framed. yes because i thought it was like so cool that he wrote me and i was like this is awesome i'm framing this so can, can you share can you home. share a little bit of the letter i mean I, i'm i'm sure you have it close to memorize but just was it just yeah con just congrats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure he you. was he basically like he basically said that how i carried myself was you know it was it was kind of like it was it was really nice how the way that i carried myself and and how i reacted and just i don't really remember it but it was somewhat on those lines sure and sure can't wait to see you next year right and, you my, know. my caddy likes you more than he likes me and yeah I got exactly. it sure yeah exactly um well i i'm i look forward to returning next year as well that was one of the highlights of my year uh last year just uh, it was actually my first time getting to see augusta national in person so i was uh i was i was pretty blown away and and pretty i'll tell you what you want to see something impressive get yourself into the media center holy cow um, all the, all the, the, the food choices that, you know, people have to kind of wait in line for all the spectators and they have to, yeah, that's all up there for free for media. So the, that, that was, Jeez. oh my gosh, that that's, it's actually like a museum and I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture that, uh, that I, uh, I can't say that I actually took a picture of the media center cause that would be wrong, but I will find a picture <laughs> to send you. 
Um, it's enormous. It's it's unreal. It's unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, well, this obviously sets you up for, I mean, uh, you know, gets you on that that line to to capture SECs and things are rolling, and you have two opportunities to represent the United States. First one is Curtis Cup, which, you know, I'm looking at the lineup, and. I mean, the U.S. wins 15 and a half to four and a half. And not that I saw that coming, that, you know, that uh, disparity and that that margin of victory. But good grief, this lineup that you had, I mean, these are all killers. I mean, just stone cold, you know, type A personality killers on your team. Rose, Rachel Heck, Ra- uh, Rachel Keene. Miliacho, Jensen Castle, yourself, Mega Gane, Amari Avery. I mean, these just absolute killers. Now, did you, I'm guessing you pretty much knew everyone or knew of everyone, but when you first get together in the team room, um, is there a sense just like, we're going to do something pretty special and uh, look out or, you know, what was kind of the team dynamic when you first, you know, kind of got together with the rest of the team? Yeah. I mean, we all knew each other going in, so it was great just to, just to have that. I mean, at least we didn't have any new faces and, we got to spend a lot of time with each other. We got to go to uh, a few of us got to go to the practice and stuff and right. really get close with each other and kind of feel out like, okay, who like meshes well with each other. And that's how captain like, you know, picks us for four ball and for, you know, stuff like that for matches. Um, and uh, it was just, it was such a blast all I can say because I knew that we were going to do something like I just had a feeling I'm like we have so many great players right. we are going to do something and we did we we almost swept I think the last day you, uh, you did really cool. yeah we won't mention who lost that lost their singles match but I'll, I'll be I'll, <laughs> I'll be talking to her I think later this week and uh, oh, oh gosh I know I'm I, I'm, I'm you know you you think that the guests are the only ones that are nervous here at the back of the range? Sometimes the host gets a little bit nervous about getting into a certain. <laughs> I mean, I thought I navigated the whole Anwa question with you pretty well, but I have to do something like that with uh, Amari Avery, and I'm not looking forward to that. But I'm going to have to do. Oh it. my gosh! Uh-huh, yeah, because uh, yeah, but you had a, you had a great record, three and one. Um, you actually, so you sat in the morning of the first day, which. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I'm sure that there's like everyone wants to just get out and play right away. But did you find that? I mean, what did? You, how did you spend that morning, and the first session when you weren't playing? Did you kind of use it as just time to rest and take it all in, or were you out cheering teammates? That had to be kind of a unique opportunity to be like, okay, I don't have to immediately start getting into it. I can actually look around a little bit. Yeah, me and Jensen were just in the golf cart zooming around uh, handing out pins to kids yeah. and watching our teammates play so it was really cool and um i watched her do an interview she was in the booth and uh we got to you know go in the booth and see how that goes which sure. is really cool yeah, it, um, it's, it's hard to get jensen castle to come out of her shell isn't it <laughs> yeah me and jensen had a great time uh-huh. Uh-huh. great time Gosh, that kid and her damn ice cream cones everywhere. She's. I, I look over and I just see Laura running up to her with this ice cream cone. I'm like, Jensen, we're literally like walking on fifth. Like we're walking to the tee, and she's just got this ice cream cone in her hand. Uh huh. 
like, what are we doing? She's like, my sugar. I need sugar. Yeah. Laura, she pulls Nocta. out like a pack of M&Ms. Like, oh my. crazy. Yeah. Laura Nocta is the team manager. Uh, she is the counterpart of uh, Robbie Zalznick, who's the team manager for the Walker Cup for the men's team. Um, I don't think people really quite understand nothing against Captain Ingram, nothing against, you know, the previous Walker Cup captain, Captain Crosby, and, and the new captain, Mike McCoy. But, um, I don't think people truly understand the kind of work that those two individuals do for their respective teams. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They do the most. The managers are are awesome. They plan everything, and they need to they need a raise. I must say, <laughs> <laughs> they need a raise. So, so you had so again three and one record. You had a really nice win in the singles against Charlotte Heath, but we already we already mentioned one of your your partners, your foursomes partner was Jensen Castle, um, uh, you know U.S. Amateur champion, and then you have Amelia Miliacho for four ball. And I'm just thinking these are two very different formats, but I, I've been around both of those two ladies, uh, kind of different personalities too. Uh, are you kind of the the even keel steady ship in those partnerships. I mean, how do you even compare those two partner or those two personalities? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, you're, <laughs> you're like, I got it. I got a, I got a bullet in the holster or I got a gun in the holster right now. I'm ready. So, I mean, Amelia is more, she's like the mom. Exactly. For sure. Yes. And, I think like I'm more of like the wild child in that form. Like with me and her, I'm the wild child. And then like with Jensen and me, I'm the mom. Uh-huh. She's the crazy one. Okay. <laughs> like that's like how it is. Right. Um, but I mean, we, we, we all meshed well and it was me and Amelia kind of got off on like a little slow start. I remember. And we kind of just held it. We pulled it together on the last, um, in the last few holes to, to win that match or yeah we won up one up or something like that i can't quite remember you won saturday so you won friday foursomes in the afternoon uh uh, you and jensen won five and three that was a really big one yeah hannah darling and and duncan and then uh, saturday morning four ball you and miliatra won one up over heath and duncan and then in the afternoon you you got back together with uh, Jensen and you guys you guys lost two and one. That was your only loss. Yeah, we weren't ham and egg in it that that day. We were ham and egg in it on the five and three, but not on the not on Saturday afternoon. Well, I, well, I heard they actually ran out of ice cream around the around noon on Saturday, and I think that's what I heard. And that was, I mean, that, that's what did it. And that you could, you could predict. It. I mean, you, you know, at that point, you realize there's just nothing left. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's. I wouldn't even consider that really a loss. Don't don't blame yourself on that. That's just that's just bad yeah. staff work on on too few desserts being around Marion. Um, yeah, for Jensen. Yeah, for Jensen. It's all on Jensen. It's not you. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's Jensen. Jensen. So you win this fifteen and a half, four and a half. I think this is the largest uh, margin of victory since I believe nineteen eighty two, if I remember correctly. Um, and I remember afterwards, uh, I was do- asking a couple questions, a couple interviews with with some of the, I believe it was Keen and Heck, I can't remember. I think it was Jensen there too. But I, I, I asked like, so do you think there's going to be any partying, partying this evening? And they looked at me like I was an idiot. They're like, what? Are you-? <laughs> They're like, we're, we're like, we're all 21 we just won the Curtis Cup. We're not flying out tonight. We have the entire night. What do you think we're going to be doing? So, I don't want to throw. I don't want to have you throw anyone under the bus. But 
at, at on a scale from one to Jensen, who had the most fun uh, that evening uh, at 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 the, oh, at the celebration? Man. I mean, did did it get out of hand? I mean, is it a good thing there was no media there? <laughs> uh, it, it was it was great. I mean, I think we all had a great time and. I actually can't really <laughs> recall. Love it. it. Love it. That's so see that's what I'll say. <laughs> Perfect. Can't remember. Okay. Um, so, so really I'm asking the wrong person. You just, you kind of went dark and you yeah. can't, so you don't remember any maybe, like, no, nope. you try a Mari or something. Okay. I don't know. I All right. Really so, remember. okay. So what you're saying here, see if I get this right. You want me to ask the members of the team that were not old enough to <laughs> yeah. drink. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Well, I got to try and get an answer. All right. Well, now I know what I now I know what I'm talking to Mari Avery and and uh, and, and Mega Mega Guy about. This is perfect. All right. This is great. When when did Latana Stone bow out and call it a night? Perfect. Got it. Okay. It was probably early, to be honest. Wow. I'm gonna lie with you. I'm I was like, okay, it's my bedtime now. Love you guys. <laughs> so now, all right. So all right. This is good. This is good information to have. Okay. Good. Um. So really, no, I can't come to you to say, you know, Rosang doing keg stands. You have no recollection. That's not. I can't even ask you about no. that. All right. All right. Um. All right. So now. I want to also ask, and, and I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I remember a lot of people talking right after this, like, well, they need to do something with the Curtis Cup. This is this is unfair. This is too, it's not competitive. And this is kind of like also when they talk about President's Cup. Oh, you know, President's Cup, what they need to do, they need to to uh, they need to change it up. It's The Americans are, are beating up on the internationals too much. They need to like um, a- add women into it and then make it a mixed event. And they're trying to, you know, let's change this and everyone's got an idea armchair quarterbacks yeah what are your there's th- always an opinion right so do you have any and obviously you're on the winning side of this so you're not an impartial source but i i guess the reason i want to ask you about it is because you're a i mean you're a you're you're a prominent figure in amateur golf you're a thought leader in amateur golf and women's golf what do you do you have any opinion on that i i mean i have mine but do you have a pick? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, does GB and I dip into Sweden and and maybe grab a couple ladies from that crew? I think you know a couple Swedes. I can play right. that pretty well. Yeah. What do you think about that? So I was actually I was thinking about this, but like, how long has how, how many years has has this been going on where it's just been GB and I? You know, right. like it started with GB and I. Right. And. I just like feel like isn't that kind of you got to think on both sides though. It's like yeah, you can bring in like maybe expand it more, but it's like what about the history behind it? You yeah. know, kind of like changing history when you're like, oh, let's let's go and and open it up to all of Europe, you know, and it's just gonna be kind of messy in a way where it's like oh well, but I don't know. It's such a tough subject because a lot of people have different opinions and I have mixed feelings on it because it's like it's been GB and I in USA forever you well, know and like let's flip it let's say the US has been on the short end of the stick for the last you know 15 20 years if if you mm-hmm. were on the team that lost 15 and a half to four and a half and I'm pretty sure I know the answer already but if someone brought that to your attention and and said, Hey, you know, we're thinking about, you know, throwing in, uh, 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 you know, all of North America. So now us can, can bring players in from Canada and from Mexico. 
I would think that you'd be like, no, we're the United States. We're we're going to get our shit together, and we don't we don't yeah. want that. I and I would think that the ladies on the GBNI side, being Type A personalities and uh, uber competitive, they would be thinking the same thing. No, we're GBNI. We're going to get this figured out. We're going to come after them in 2024. Yeah, it would definitely be different if they like wanted to add like all of Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. It's just a completely different ball game, in my opinion. How was how was Palmer Cup different than Curtis Cup? Oh, great question. <laughs> so it was a million times more different. Okay. And not even not even so that it was, you know, in a different country because I've I played one where it was just like in, in Illinois. Right. Um so it was it was really different. I mean, uh, there was not spectators, so it's not really like as hype. You know what right. I mean? Yep, yep. Because not like people aren't like coming out to watch really, and no one really knows about it. Like everyone knows about the Curtis Cup, um, and you know they come out and support. But there, I think the difference was like it's not like as hype, and it's it's more of like. A, Oh, I don't know. It's it's still enjoyable, but there's just way more people and it's men and women. Right. So I don't think I can really compare it because I mean, the Curtis Cup is amazing and the Arnold Palmer Cup is amazing, too. It's just very different, like formats, if that makes sense, because you're playing with the male and you're playing with, you know, you're playing guy, girl and then girl, girl and then singles. And there's just. And everyone gets to play, so yeah. it's very different. <laughs> Almost feels like, I mean, I hate, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but it feels more like an exhibition? Sort of. Okay. I mean, it's still great. Like, my first and my second year was really good. Like, going across the country was really different. Yeah. So your I, first two were Bay Hill. I think, they, I think in 2020 it was at Bay Hill in Orlando, mainly because of yeah. COVID. 21 yeah. was Rich Harvest Farms in Illinois. And then this this year was Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah, it was a mess. I like lost my clubs. Oh, like God. didn't have golf clubs. Didn't have like shoes, hats, balls. Like I had no idea where my clubs were, and had no like no one said like I don't know. Like I just feel like I was so worried, and I was like I just don't have clubs. Like I'm not gonna be able to. I had to play with. Um. I'd like hit balls with another girl's clubs and then they ended like like ended up getting me this rental set that oh was like God. way too light. It was like the lightest, like it's like women's, I don't even know, like senior, I don't even know what it was. So I had like 12 golf clubs and was this um, for your first four ball match with Travis Vick? Yeah, no, it was for all of the matches. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't have your clubs for the entire Palmer cup. No, they showed They, I got a phone call after I finished my single match. It was against Beatrice. No, I'm sorry. Maresco. Benedetta. Yeah. Yeah. Benedetta. And they called me and they were like, Oh, this is Geneva airport. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> uh, we have your golf clubs. I'm like, great. Great. So good. So good. Just in time. Don't even have to unpack them or anything. 
that's just leaving like the next day. So that's absolutely, you're like, yeah, just leave them there. Just throw it here. Here's my flight number tomorrow. Just throw them on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. So I didn't know that. So let me see here. So you have your first match with Travis Vick and then you looks like you, you lose in the morning foursomes the next day. Then you tie again with Vic. That's a really good match right there. Biondi and Moresco against you and Vic. So you tie that. And then you win your singles match against Moresco four and three. And you never had your clubs the entire time. Never had my clubs. Literally had 12 golf clubs in my bag. (laughs) And like... I'm like, what am I, like, I couldn't even go for anything because I didn't have anything that would get there. I had like a hybrid and like my driver. <laughs> That's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. Um, but the coaches were great. Like they were all like helping me out. And I mean, a few other girls and guys lost their clubs and everyone else got theirs, but me, I was the only one that uh-huh. like did not receive their clubs. You're so adept in dealing with adversity that they knew you would have no problem. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> like, it was, it was like, crazy. Like, now, do you, have you it's since crazy. invested in Apple air tags for your, for your clubs? I did. Okay. I, okay. I made a friend. I made a, I made a friend. She, was I met her during my little practice round that I had okay. and me and her were talking the whole time. She was caddying for one of the members and I told her what had happened and she felt so bad for me that she went to the Apple store, got me air tags and bought me croissants. And I was like, girl, Oh my gosh, that is so nice. She got me some nice big croissants. They were like chocolate filled and was like raspberry filled the original croissant. Wow. And I, then I, I, I paypal her. I didn't know they sold croissants at the Apple store in Switzerland. That's incredible. But I oh, know. That, she was, she went to France, like, you know how the borders are. Sure. Stuff. So she just drove across to France and got some croissants. Wow. I mean, it seems like this, this, she was channeling Laura Nocta. It feels like. I know she was my Laura. That's right. Well, that's, these things happen. Yeah. I have Apple air tags and, uh, um, yeah, I've, after seeing, it seems like for, it was like two or three months, it seems like if you just followed Twitter, there's always someone that is losing their clubs. I'm like, yeah. I know. Or, or, I asked Rachel Heck, I was like, can you please like tweet like right. Air France? Yes, that's <laughs> right. It was Rachel Heck. Yeah. I was like, please, like you got like, you got a big following. Like, please just help a sister out. <laughs> like, that's that's awesome. Sister. So awesome summer, uh, jet setting around the, the country, around the world. And, and although, um, you know, didn't end as well in Switzerland for the U S as it did at Marion, uh, still an incredible experience, but now you're off to your senior season at LSU and we're kind of getting back into the swing of things of a, of a traditional college, um, you know, setting. And I want to ask you, so, so you and Ingrid Lindblad, your teammate from Sweden, who is number two in the world, this is a kind of a one, two punch in the women's game. That is pretty much, I mean, you're in the same sentence as, you know, Rose Zhang and Rachel Heck of Stanford and Rachel and Amelia of Wake. I know we can probably sub in another team on Wake or, or another name on Wake, another name on Stanford, but really you're kind of in that same conversation of, just a really strong one-two punch at the top of a lineup. 
But as you know as well as anyone else does in college golf, you know, two superstars, even three at the top, that that's great. But you need four scores, five for four. And then also, as we've talked about match play, you need to have a really well-rounded team. So I could ask this question to, to Stanford or to Wake or anyone, but how does Coach Runyon keep the team dynamic solid at LSU so that your number five player or your number one player or even the number eight player that's trying to crack the lineup, how does he keep the whole team focused um, even with you and Ingrid at the top? I think that it kind of starts back with like the team in general, just because I think that it's really important that everyone has a really strong team dynamic and not even just within the team, but like, um, especially with the coaches. I mean, like yeah. you want to have a great relationship with them and Garrett and Alexis are like the greatest coaches I could ask for. And, you know, they're really flexible, but they're also really tough on you. And I think that the way that they both coach is very reasonable because there are some coaches out there that's like really unreasonable and, and whatnot. But I think that, you know, he keeps us in place and keeps us in line and stuff. And we still have, you know, enough freedom and whatnot to be able to, you know, have fun still while we're out in the course. And I think that we all have such a really nice relationship with the both of them that it really keeps us in line. You know, you're talking like you're some big troublemaker, but you've you've spent most of the episode talking about what such an old lady you are. I, I mean, I can't fathom a time where you get in trouble. Like, I, I mean, are you just trying to kind of, you know, like project like you're like a rebel or something? I mean, I don't I don't see this. No. Where's this coming from? No way. I'm like, I really don't like do anything, really. I'm, I'm, I'm such angel. a homebody. Okay, I am an angel. Okay. I, I mean, I'll, you can call Garrett and we can get him on here and all right. Well, have him say how big of an angel I am. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Um, but I, I wanted at some point, I would love to get, to get Ingrid on the podcast at some point. And since I'm, you know, buttering you up to, to share information <laughs> on, on, you know, Curtis cup teammates and Palmer cup teammates, I'm sure that you're going to be able to do me a solid, give me some insider information on the number two ranked player in the world. I really, I really, really like admire how, she like how she practices is like unbelievable like okay please, i know like rose, yeah like rose like she practices gosh what like six hours seven hours a day or something like that she said i think so in one of her things and i'm like yeah ingrid is probably just as much too and i wish that i i just i do not like practicing okay i'm more of a like go out and play type of person sure. but Ingrid is always grinding out there. Like if it's raining, I'm, she's outside. <laughs> like, okay. like no matter what, like she's outside, she's practicing. Um, but she doesn't really do much either. Like we don't, honestly, our team never really gets in trouble. Like there has not been anything like severe, any drama that like our team goes through, which is great because I think that drama ruins the team, to be honest. Like, of course. It just, because then you're thinking about that and you're not thinking about what the main goal is. You know what I mean? So. I, I have seen plenty of teams in, in my travels where I can just kind of tell like, yeah, they're not, they're not tight. I can just, I can yeah. just kind of see that, okay, maybe there's no big problems, but I also don't get the vibe that they're all 
in it together, uh, you know, I, I, I see that. So it sounds like this is definitely not the case at LSU. It sounds like we got a nice sisterhood going. Yeah, I know. We all, we all love each other very much. And, you know, even though we get on each other's nerves because we are girls and we are crazy sometimes, but oh, I'm glad we, we get past that. Glad you explained that. I've never had that, have that experience at all. I had to say that for yeah. the, the people out there. Thank you. You heard it here first, folks. Latana Stone said women are crazy. Thank you. And yep. all right. We can, perfect way to end this episode. No, I'm kidding. Ending um, podcast now. Ending podcast. Let me, oh, we're out of time. No. Um, yep. Well, I, I'm glad you, you brought that up and I'm glad you explained that because yeah, it's, it's the scores are important, but at some point you need to have more than the scores. You have to have somebody you can lean on and it sounds like that's what you have at LSU. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for coming on to uh, to join me here at the back of the range. I know that it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, I, I need to get more information on, on the exact menu of what what the Thanksgiving dinner looks like. Uh, might need some pictures, but this is a uh, this is great. Enjoy the the holidays. Enjoy some time off, and uh, I'll be looking for you in the spring. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thank you. I appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Latana Stone for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. This week, use Friday25 as your coupon code to get 25% off your purchase. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.